And we welcome you into the program, Priority Talk Radio. Glad to have you along with us. And uh, we're going to talk a very important issue for the next little bit, and we do it with uh, Christine Carr. And uh, she's been here on the program with us a few times and uh, in person. She's uh, joining us by phone today, a uh, CRNA board-certified nurse anesthetologist and a pediatric heart nurse as well for, uh, for years and uh, serving as an advisor for ALCAP, the Alabama Citizens Action Program, our organization, along with many uh, legislators and civic action groups uh, like Eagle Forum and, uh, and others. And she joins us now to uh, talk about the uh, the marijuana topic in the state of Alabama. Christine, how are you today, my friend? Oh, Greg, it's great to be with you. Uh, thanks for having me. Well, for sure. Um, let's back up. We got about eight or nine minutes here. Let's eight minutes. Let's back up and oh, sort my of goodness. Okay. give the big picture <laughs> of of how this has progressed. And then, of course, today was sort of a big day as well. Um, but let's back up legislative session 2021 um, and, uh, and, and, and how we got to where we are today. Okay, so legislative session of 2021, uh, the Medical Marijuana Compassion Act was passed kind of under the cover of COVID. Um, so against many different recommendations and warnings from medical professionals and uh you know, children and civic organizations, it was still passed. We even have Republicans filibustering Republicans at that time. Uh, KIV ignored all of our recommendations for increasing safety parameters, and so we spent all of last year going around the state educating communities, letting people know about the law. You've been excellent, uh, Greg, about that and helping to uh, to warn parents and communities and churches about what's coming. Um, we tried to get a bill called the Unborn Protection Bill passed in Legislative yeah. Session 2022, yeah. and it was um, shot down by actually certain Republicans in a pro-life state. We're trying to prevent pregnant women from getting access to marijuana. And uh, that was defeated, and so right now we are going to be facing the official opening of uh, wealthy investors in Alabama who are eager to make lots of money in marijuana, start to submit their applications to the Cannabis Commission. And uh, as of today, you will still be able to see pregnant women purchasing marijuana legally in Alabama. Um, and all the other dangers that will be coming from this law. Yeah, that that about the, the pregnancy uh, is just amazing, especially when you had an OBGYN doctor, um, Senator Larry Stutz, proposing this and saying this is something that is important. As an OGBYN, I'm an expert on this situation yes. and yes. Uh, couldn't even get it to, to a committee. I mean... Um, yeah, that, that. It was, well, we got it through committee. We actually got it passed through a committee, but we had to fight hard just to do that. We couldn't get it to the Senate floor. And, you know, and that was after begging uh, Will Ainsworth, Greg Reed, other conservatives that we were begging to help us get this through, and it just didn't happen. So, okay. Well, um, it got further than I thought it did. It made yeah, it further listen. than I thought. I thought it, okay. I thought it got held up before it even got to committee, so I'm sorry about that. Oh, yeah, that was a kind of a last-minute thing. But, you know, time ran out because it was a primary year yeah. and people were in a rush. So we're hoping that we can uh, we can get some basic protections for the unborn, for children. Well, and there's still time. Uh, for patients everywhere in the community. Right, yeah, and, right. and there is time. And so uh, even today you're seeing um, 
uh, cities come out, they're ready to embrace this, uh, to set up dispensaries, as they call them, or as we call them, Mm -hmm. pot shops within Mm -hmm. their city limits um, for for various reasons. Um, Talk real quickly. uh, We've got four or five minutes. Uh, Medical marijuana. People hear that, and they think, oh, well, yeah, we want to help people that might could benefit from um, you know from the medical um, benefits of, of marijuana for pain or different things like that uh, there is there is a, a sympathy side to this and I'm never I'm not against helping sick people uh, but that needs to be what we're doing so just talk talk to people about what medical marijuana means well and, and really is that a misnomer true, right it is a misnomer it is a falsehood a true medical cannabis, there are medications that have been developed and approved by the FDA that patients can already get from a full prescription. They can purchase it through their insurance um, at a pharmacy. It can also be prescribed for off-label use. Those things have already existed. What is coming in now is essentially legalized pot, Mm -hmm. but with restrictions centered around uh, about 14 different medical conditions. There are only about two of those conditions that do have some scientific support um, as being a consideration. So for certain rare epilepsy conditions, um, you know, even, even some end-of-life concerns, uh, you, can, you can kind of justify doing some of that. But um, major studies came out a year ago that m- marijuana does not have any significant help at all with chronic pain conditions. Um, in any any meaningful way, um, and all of the other conditions, you know, such as depression, anxiety, PTSD, it actually makes it worse. We will see increased suicides. We will see increased psychoses. Uh, the gun violence that we see happening across the country is often related to marijuana psychoses. So, and and it has no dealing with whether or not it's medical versus recreational. That is a falsehood that the cannabis industry puts forth. It's all the same product. Well, that's what I was trying to get at. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's smoked or not. It doesn't matter if it's leafy or not. It's all about the THC. It is all about the chemical compounds that are in the product, whether it's a gummy that you chew, a suppository, you know, something you nebulize. That's the component that is psychoactive. It's the component that is actually carcinogenic. It is the component that causes birth defects in um, prenatal exposure or even from the father that contributes to the birth of that child, increasing autism rates, childhood cancer rates, decreasing IQs, and increasing behavioral problems. So the harms for many, many, many outweigh any potential benefit. Um, so the, medis- the medical cannabis is, are the FDA medicines that you can get already. It's federally legal. What Alabama has done is legalize pot with restrictions, and this is the Trojan horse that is um, being funded by the Alabama taxpayer, actually. Yeah, and we'll have to talk more about that. And, of course, these restrictions, it's, it's not like the, uh, the marijuana industry are going to be happy and just settle for these restrictions. They're going to continue to push and push and push for there to be less and less and less restric- restrictions. And mo- everything you're saying and everything we're telling you that could happen in the future, we know this because it's already happened in other states. Uh, it's it, already happened yeah, already before, and that's what's so shocking. It's, there's a playbook. About why Alabama did this, right? It's, it's, it's. You know, Alabama legislators can't say they didn't know because the evidence was already there, the warnings were already given, 
Um, unfortunately, um, a lot of heads were in the sand, and over time, Alabama citizens are going to suffer. Well, from, I do think a lot of them. Uh, I do think a lot of them. Not not all by any means, but I, th- I do think there were a good number that were well intentioned. They just didn't um, maybe fully understand it was during COVID. Uh, you know, you and I had one legislator in particular say, where were you last year? And you said, well, nobody could come up here and, you know, mm-hmm. and talk to you. And it was like, well, hey, if I'd have known some of this then, I probably wouldn't have voted for it. And, and that was Yeah, the whole we point. did. We heard a lot we of did. that. We did. Yeah, and and unfortunately, you know, we tried to be able to tap in with a lot of those legislators um, this past session, but I think maybe because it was so rushed. Yeah, um, it's going to take time. The cannabis industry is so powerful in in Montgomery already, so we need... um, Christine, i got to hit a break. Let's come right back on the other side, and we'll continue the conversation. If you've got a question, 205-941-1011. College football is back. The UAB Blazers and the Alabama A&M Bulldogs are taking the field in Birmingham's college football kickoff on Thursday, September 1st at Protective Stadium. The Blazers and the Bulldogs kick off at 7 p.m., but the action will be going on all day at Uptown. Be there to start your college football season in style. Tickets start at just $20. Grab your seat today at UABsports.com. It's the Blazers versus the Bulldogs Thursday, September 1st at Protective Stadium. Tickets on sale now at UABsports.com. UAB football, win is one. And now, back to Priority Talk with Greg Davis. My life be like... We are back. Greg Davis here, Priority Talk Radio. And we're talking marijuana in Alabama. Unfortunately, um, not a uh, not a pleasant topic, as um, we do believe that this uh, law is, uh, is wrought with issues. Um, we've seen it already in other states. We've seen the same playbook um, run. And, uh, you know, everybody thinks about Colorado, and you go back and you look at the stats from Colorado, they are astounding from when they began this uh, process of uh, legalizing marijuana. And now they have recreational, of course, and, you know, we're not to that point yet um, exactly, but, uh, but maybe uh, inexactly, we, <laughs> maybe we sort of are. Christine Carr is with us, and uh, she is uh, working this issue hard as a um, uh, medical credentials been in the medical field for many years as a nurse and uh, we uh, are and leaning on her heavy for a lot of information christine a, a big part of this and we're going to get to some phone calls here in just a second you guys hang on for us um we um uh, big part of this is the money you know mm. you know we make it out to be medical we want to help people you know that's the way th- it's just, it's kind of like gambling you know, it's all about the kids it's all about it you know giving money to the schools you know we put a nice front on it um, but when it comes right down to it 
there are there are people and groups of people who who stand to uh, greatly profit from marijuana in the state of Alabama. Uh, talk to us about the economic side of this. Well, it is, it's big business, it's big money. Right now we've seen a shift in the last few years that you have companies like Altria, like they're, all, they're related to Big Tobacco. So Big Tobacco has invested heavily into the marijuana industry, and including other large companies. Um, many uh, very profitable companies out of Florida were, were, you know, big donors in the whole process in Alabama. Um, Arkansas marijuana groups have also come in uh, to invest in Alabama and um, those, those investments translate into political donations. Yep. Um, and so, yes, they can stand to make a lot of money. And, and when you read the law, when you look at just the conditions list alone, that is the big tell that this is not about patient care or medicine. This is just about trying to get as many customers as you possibly can. Um, if it really was about medicine, if it really was about patient care, the conditions list would probably be whittled down to maybe just five conditions at the most, and we would have had a lot more safeguards inside the law and also as part of the rulemaking process within the commission. So um, no one can say with a straight face that it really is a medical program. This is, this is a, a drug program, and it is designed to give the investors the best chance possible to make the best profits possible. Yeah. Now let's but bring the taxpayer, this. the taxpayer will still be footing the bill. Yeah, all, already are. Already are. We already are. I think by, when, you, when you just go to the commission's website and they have their report, um, it, it looks like, you know, I can't be exact, but it looks like by the time the first product is actually sold, the t- Alabama taxpayer will be you know, out for at least $4 million, if not up to seven. Yeah, there's so been it a is whole, a wide range. There's been a whole but, commission set up. Uh, people mm-hmm. are paid to, and paid well to, uh, to implement uh, this program. Let's give a... Um, what could be, I don't want to call it a worst case, but, but what could sort of be a, a, a common uh, occurrence with this? Um, talk to us about uh, maybe people who will, be, who will now have access to cannabis um, that maybe you'd think, oh, th- that's not who this was really well-intentioned for. I mean, you could, how old do you have to be? 19, right? Right. So, and that's one of the most troubling parts that, you know, when you, when you say maybe a top five of the worst parts of this law, this is definitely part of it, is the ease of access that children will get. Um, and, you know, and I, I was promised a lot of things by the director, by the commission chair, and none of it has come to fruition. So, for example, um, you know, with the, with the condition of depression or maybe panic disorder, those are very easy, loose types of diagnoses to uh, convince a doctor to give, to give you a marijuana card. And so I could easily get one, my husband could get one, and I could get that for all of my children. So as a, I could be a caregiver and a user at the same time. Mm. And all I have to do is convince the doctor that my depression just, you know, wasn't managed by anything else. And then I can get cards from my kids having either depression or a panic disorder, which is not hard to prove. And so theoretically, every single one in my five-member family, we could have up to 350 doses of marijuana at one time because you get 70 doses per person. You're allowed to have up to that much at one time. So that I was told by the uh, Cannabis Commission 
chairman, mm-hmm. who is a practicing marijuana doctor in Florida but lives in Alabama, that, oh, no, 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 when it comes to allowing minors to get marijuana, we're going to limit it to only the most rare cases. Well, when the rules came out and when the medical board issued their rules, there's no such language. So you have to be able to realize that as it has happened in other states, in a very short period of time, you will have these cannabis-certified physicians who will um, basically well, it's, it's sign shopping. off a card for just about anybody. Yeah. And you can doctor shop. Yeah. It's like creating the brand-new pill mills. We are at risk for that. And so you will have homes that are full of marijuana where the parents can legally be users and distributors to their children. They may not give it to their children. They might do something else with it. Who's going to know? There's no checkups. There's no follow-ups. There's no way to know. Well, and uh, I'm going to take a phone call. Jay's been hanging on. But uh, as well, we we point out that for this to be such medical, we totally cut pharmacies out of the loop on this, 100%. Correct. Have nothing to do with it. For it to be medicine, it's kind of... Kind of, kind of odd. All right, Jay is on the line in Aniana with a comment or a question. Jay, go for it. Hey, Jay. Yeah, well, first I'd like to start off by saying I just think it's really sad that I'm thinking that there's young people out there, children and teenagers and pregnant people who are getting their hands on marijuana and, and using that, and it's just very unfortunate. Mm-hmm. But also, unfortunately, if these people want to get it, they can just go get it whether it's legal or not. I mean, they just go to a drug dealer and pick it up there, and if they're just bent on getting it, that's what they're going to do, just like anybody else going to go get alcohol underage or anything like that. So what I want to know, which is a big problem here in this state and many other states, is when you go to a drug dealer to go get marijuana, there's a good chance, high probability, that that drug dealer is also dealing in other drugs like fentanyl or heroin and those kinds of things and it gets mixed in with that marijuana and there's a lot of deaths that are attributed to overdoses of fentanyl laced marijuana whether it's intentional or unintentional so how do you go about preventing that kind of thing and how do you make sure you keep that type of stuff out of the hands of children teenagers and pregnant women yeah well christine i'm gonna let her answer let me say this first question that's a great question let me say this first christine um you know the the uh, the reasoning that well people are going to do it anyway um is it, just to me and i'm not saying you believe you know you're into that you're, you're stating fact but um just because people can do it anyway is not a good reason to say well let's just let everybody do it you know uh we should work toward limiting and stopping activity that's harmful not just normalizing it so then we can legalize it i mean we could say that sure. about a lot of things you know what i mean hey people are going to do it anyway well yeah um, people will, but 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 we still don't encourage it. We still don't legalize it. We still don't say, "Hey, go for it." So that's that's well, my part on that. Christine, at, go ahead. Yeah, and and sure, and, it, and, and that be it's it's beyond it's beyond just that philosophical viewpoint. It actually can be supported by facts and data. That you know there was a, a, a misnomer that you know well as long as if we legalize it, then we'll cut down on criminal activity and we'll cut down on opioid use. And that's turned out not to be true at all. In fact, the more loose, pardon? Am I still on? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're you're still on. Yeah. Okay. So the All data right. shows the data shows that actually, the more you legalize marijuana, whether when you're going from medical quote unquote into the recreational, you actually see an increase 
in criminality, in black market sales, in opioid use, abuse, and death. And there's a couple of reasons for that. Law enforcement experts um, cite over and over again that many times these pot shops or dispensaries are fronts for more um, illegal drugs. And it may not start off that way right now in Alabama. Usually states are on good behavior for about two years, and then the good behavior is too expensive, and then the marijuana industry pressures lawmakers to loosen the rules, and then everything falls apart. So, you know, we'll we'll be on good behavior for a couple of years. But over time, you see the dispensaries acting as fronts for more illicit drugs. The more you use marijuana on a regular basis with a certain potency, you actually um, harm the receptors in your brain and your nervous system. I don't need to interrupt, but I need to interrupt you. And and you crave. My specific question to you is, how, how do you keep that, the illicit part? the illegal part, people seeking it out, whether whether you like it or not, people are going to do that. How do you keep that out of people's hands? How do you get that out of the teenager's hands? How do you get the legal marijuana? Well, the first thing... All right, Jay, thank you, man. The Delta 8 marijuana is already legal, and I can go down the street and get that. How do you keep that Well, Jay, if if you'll let me finish, the first thing you do... All right. Go ahead, Christine. The first thing that Jay could do is to respectfully listen to information based on facts and data. And so that's what I'm trying to communicate. So that when you're using marijuana on a regular basis, you actually increase your craving for opioids and opioid use goes up. So with that information, in order to keep the drugs out of kids' hands, we first need robust legislation. We need more education, and uh, we need parents to be aware. Now, he brought up the whole issue of the Delta 8, Delta 10, Delta 0. It is not marijuana-based. It's actually hemp-based in Alabama, and it's, it's a terrible loophole from our 2018 Farm Bill. And uh, that's something we need to close because we actually have so many teenagers on Delta 8, Delta 10, and Delta 0, some of which is worse than the Delta 9 you get from marijuana. So all of it's bad. Um, And uh, the more we legalize it, the statistics show that it's actually going to make it worse. And just because you're preventing the illegal drug dealer, you're not going to see a better situation. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a good question. And look, that Yeah, it was a great question. That that's mm-hmm. what I call and this goes for a lot of issues. We normalize to legalize. And mm-hmm. that's what happens here. Uh people are like, well, it's already out there. People already get it. We normalized it to where it's like, oh, oh whatever. You know what I mean? And then and then it just uh, accelerates it even even faster once you totally legalize something. You know, when something is illegal, it, it gives people pause to say, hey, why is that illegal? You know, let me True, think yeah. about it. Where when you legalize it, um, people just assume, hey, this is, uh, this is good. This is okay. There's not, uh, there's not real danger here because this is legal. And it doesn't right, give and it that sends same that pause. false message. You're absolutely right. And it automatically sends a message. And so especially then when you continue to tell the lie that it's medical, then that is even further damaging. And, and studies show that whenever you decrease that sense or perception of harm, kids use it more. We've seen right. this in state after state after state. And so right now we, we've got a lot of work to do to get our legislators to catch on and, and change things. 
but for our local churches, for our parents, it's time to wake up. It is time to wake up. I hear warnings from people all across other states, and they say, Alabama, watch out. You have no idea what's about to hit you. Yeah, it's coming our way. It's coming to a, to a, your town uh, eventually. They'll say it's not, but it is. Uh, we take Oklahoma as a perfect example. They've already been down this path. Uh, the word we got, I haven't counted them all personally, but the word we got was that there were more med, uh, medical marijuana dispensaries, as we call them, pot shops, although I know the uh, the commission doesn't like us calling it that, but we call them pot shops, uh, that there were more of those in the state of Oklahoma now than there are churches in the state of Oklahoma. Yes. So that, and, it, that just tells you yes. how quickly this will spread. And there are, you know, there are foreign uh, foreign buyers of property buying up Oklahoma property um, yes. from various countries just to be part of the marijuana industry. It happens in it happens in every state. We've seen slavery in other states. It's just shocking. Um, so we we've yeah. got to uh, we've got to get our everybody here listening to communicate with your mayor, your city council, your county commissioners and communicate with them and tell them you do not want them to opt in. You do not want these pot shops in your community. You have to stay on them, and you have to remind them not to opt in. Because that was one slight restriction that uh, was able to get into the bill, that a city, a town, would have to opt into these. You, as a business, you couldn't just open one. The city would have to uh, approve these type of business license in their uh, in their limits. So, uh, absolutely, that, absolutely. And that's, and that's really where that's we're at right now great. because yes. uh, the, I think tomorrow is the first day uh, for those, um, those uh, to be uh, – for, for people to those start uh, applying. Yeah, <laughs> tomorrow, tomorrow, I'm trying to say it the right way. Tomorrow's the first yeah. day. And we've already seen several cities around the state already pretty much indicate they're going with it. And, uh, and once the dominoes begin to fall, it's going to be everywhere. Mm-hmm. And you have to realize, you know, in California legalized marijuana, 80% of the state was opted out. And all they had was just 20% of the state where um, municipalities opted, were opted in to have these dispensaries and these programs. And, and you see where California has gone. Uh, you, can, you can track very, very well whenever states start going the way of marijuana, how much more left they go, yeah. the homelessness, the violence, all the other side effects. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if it's medical, quote-unquote, or recreational. There is a trend toward all of those, all of those negative aspects. Christine, it's just when it goes recreational, it's I got it. You're you're right, and that's where it leads to. All right, that's where it leads to. We got to go to break. Hang on for us, Christine, if you're able, okay. and we'll get another phone call or two on the other side. Two zero five nine four one one zero one one. Interesting topic. Very uh, very important and urgent. Quite honestly, we'll continue it when we come back. Priority talk. Marketing can be overwhelming. From website changes. PPC, SEO, SEM, branding, social media, brochures, and everything in between. The marketing landscape is vast and full of holes to lose your money. Stop trying to piece your marketing together. Start marketing with purpose. Dot Edison Marketing is your full-service marketing partner. They are your business's outsourced marketing team that will save you time and money, all while building a traditional and digital foundation for your business. Call them at 205-332-3728 or go to their website at dotedison.com. 
Hey everybody, this is David Edwards, and you're listening to Birmingham's number one Christian talk show, Priority Talk, with my good friend, Greg Davis. Okay, we are back, and we've got uh, about uh, seven more minutes to the top of the hour as we visit with Christine Carr about uh, marijuana in Alabama, what's uh, called medical marijuana, but, you know, uh, cannabis, marijuana, it's uh, it's marijuana, okay? And uh, we're trying to give you uh, some of the uh, updates and information um, and things to be aware of. Uh, you know, none of us, Christine, we're, we're, no one's against helping sick people, okay? Is, is that right? I mean... Well, I've I've dedicated my entire Your life, life to, to it. saving lives, right? And it what what requires <laughs> saving lives and helping people that are sick is more than just a sense of compassion. It's it's years and years of hard work and study, so that you know you're doing something that won't hurt people and could generally help them. So it happens a lot of times when we're we're dealing with medicine or natural health. I always teach on natural health as well. Um, And I do believe in using herbs and natural things as well. I've counseled people on that. But you have to be able to address the facts openly. And for some reason in the world of marijuana, people get really emotionally attached to this idea. um, And they just really want it to work so badly. (laughs) And they get so upset when when you tell them the facts about it. But, yeah, that's what we'll keep doing. We keep telling the truth. And. And we keep loving people with truth. Yeah, and you know, you got to think too. You know, what if you're able to uh, help one person? You know, you hear this. We can help one person. You know, maybe be more comfortable in their final days. You know, of, of cancer. I totally get that. Uh, mm-hmm. But what if you're ruining the lives of a hundred people by also making this available uh, to them and 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 how right. it affects their family? You know. So you have to think through it on different levels, not just uh, on a personal level, a societal level. Uh, back to the phones real quick. Um, Blunt County, Rimlap, Alabama. Ken is up. What you got, Ken? Hey, Greg. You know, I'm not comfortable who need it. You know, but it seems like the rules are just way too relaxed. You know, that it can do more harm than good. Um, I wonder who oversees these things, like in like gas stations, things that are sold. <laughs> Things that they pull off the shelves, you know, where does this stuff come from, and who, who who's supposed to be overseeing? Yeah, those are good questions, Ken. You're breaking up on us, Christine. Take yeah. what you could hear of that think, and comment. Yeah, I think I think I heard. I think he's he's absolutely right. Uh, now these are two separate subjects. Yes. The, the the quote unquote medical cannabis law is is dealing with actual marijuana THC nine Delta nine being used, uh, you know, being legally allowed in the state of Alabama. It's still federally illegal, but for people to use it under um, certain medical conditions. A doctor can't prescribe it, but they they can recommend a card, and the patient gets a card from the commission, then they go to a dispensary to purchase it. Now, what Ken is referring to in relation to all this stuff in the gas stations, this is a whole other mess in Alabama. Yeah. And that's related to Lenny's Law, wasn't it, from 2018 yeah. or something like that? Yeah. So we had, um, we had this farm bill passed uh, federally that removed hemp products from being a Schedule One federally illegal substance. It was it was once considered, you know, under the umbrella of other cannabis products like marijuana, but hemp was taken out, 
And, you know, they just said that basically at dry weight, it can have no more than 0.3% THC. So now what has happened in this loophole, and it's a problem all across the country, is that these manufacturers of CBD products out of hemp, not the marijuana plant, but another cannabis plant called hemp, they will make CBD products, but they will extract out that minute amount of THC and then concentrate it in products. And so you're not getting Delta-9 THC, you're getting a slight chemical change. You're getting Delta-8, you're getting Delta-10, and you're getting the worst of the worst, Delta-0. And it, it's, it's super dangerous. Um, we're seeing Well, the truth people, is, if you go into a convenience hmm? store and you buy something like that, you don't know what you're getting. Uh, well, and, and, and college students are using it, yeah. and I'm hearing We're, we're going to run out of time college. here. They're, they're being denied jobs because they sell drug tests because they thought, oh, I was just taking right. a CBD product from the gas station. Right. That's a big topic and one maybe we should bite off at another time. Sure. Um, uh, Christine, I had planned on going to the top of the hour. I, I don't know if you've got time. Would you want to carry over uh, and to, for some of our 5 o'clock listeners as well? Have you got yeah, time? Yeah, I do. I have about 15 more minutes. That would be perfect. Church. That, okay. that would be perfect. Yeah, before you head off to prayer meeting. Um, let me ask you this before we go, and this will be a yes or a no question. A 19-year-old calls a teledoc, says, I got a, my knee or my back hurts, and they can get a card to go to their local medical marijuana dispensary pot shop and, uh, and, and get their, uh, you know, their, get their, uh, their, mar- their medical marijuana. Can, can that happen? Yes. Okay. That's what I thought. I mean, think about it, folks. It's teledoc. It's 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 doctor I'll shopping. I'll explain it. I'll let yeah. But we, yeah. after we go to the break, we'll go I'll more into it when we come back. Break it down. That ought to put fear in everyone, because if you've ever known anyone that that, uh, well anyway, we're out of time. So we'll 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 continue. <laughs> I'll explain that. In uh, yeah, I want to I want to say more, but we're out of time. So uh, let's take our uh, top of the hour break. We'll do something we don't normally do, which is bring a guest back after the top. And we'll do that when we come back on the other side. And we could take another phone call or two, 205-941-1011. Ken and Jay, we appreciate your phone call. Stay with us, my friends. It's Priority Talk right here on WXJC. College football is back. The UAB Blazers and the Alabama A&M Bulldogs are taking the field in Birmingham's college football kickoff on Thursday, September 1st at Protective Stadium. The Blazers and the Bulldogs kick off at 7 p.m., but the action will be going on all day at Uptown. Be there to start your college football season in style. Tickets start at just $20. Grab your seats today at UABsports.com. It's the Blazers versus the Bulldogs Thursday, September 1st at Protective Stadium. Tickets on sale now at UABsports.com. UAB football, win is one. It's time to raise your voice. It's time to be heard. Because everything counts. Everything matters. Good news. Christian values. 
Alabama's Christian Talk Radio with Greg Davis. Priority Talk. It is Priority Talk. It is hour number two right here on WXJC Radio. Uh, now, don't forget now, September 1, that's tomorrow, uh, the showtime will become 5 until 7 p.m. So this uh, starting tomorrow, this will be hour number one, and uh, you'll pick up an extra hour of Right Side Radio with Phil Williams, 2 till 5, and then Priority Talk, 5 until 7 so uh, those of you who listen live, a uh, little bit of an effect for you here during the 5 o'clock hour. We're glad you're with us. And uh, Christine Carr has been kind enough to stay over with us for about another uh, 10 minutes or so as we continue to talk about uh, marijuana in Alabama. Now, I laid out a scenario, Christine. Yes. After we talk all the theory and all the different you know elements of the drug and all of that, um, a 19-year-old uh, calls a teledoc who never sees them, doesn't know them, tells them my back hurts, my knee hurts, or something to that effect, and uh, can get a, a card that they could take to the marijuana dispensary to, uh, to, to begin to, to get their, uh, their quote-unquote medical marijuana. Talk to us more well, about that kind of scenario. Right, right. So in the, just before the break, the scenario was, you know, a 19-year-old being able to go you know, complaining about a pain issue, and can they get it? And yes, they can. Now, right now, with uh, with the way our law is set up and some of the rules that are put forth for doctors by the medical board, uh, there are strong limitations against telemedicine use. Uh, so that is a good thing, and I hope that it stays that way. Um, what we've seen in other states is that kind of safeguard does fade over time, so it will take a lot of... Um, making sure and following up on doctors that they hold true to what's quote-unquote a bona fide patient relationship, examining the patient themselves, and then reviewing a patient's past documents. So, that uh, is requ- it is required. It is required now? It is, it is required. And, um, and so another good part Christine, that the medical... is that going to be... Is, are they going to be able to track that? I mean, you know... Um, that's unfortunately right now there's nothing yeah. set up at all for for enforcement or tracking in an honest way so that that's one of our misgivings is okay these are great ideas yeah. but how are you going to follow up because on that? The and, person, and what we've seen in other states is that other states have those kinds of rules but the enforcement falls yeah apart. because the person at the uh, dispensary they're not gonna. They're not checking any of that out. They're no, gonna show no, up. All, and they've got they, their card. It's signed by a doctor, card, right? and they're gonna give. Right. They're gonna sell it to them. They're in business. Right. So it really comes at the transaction between the patient and the cannabis physician. And so as long as as long as the medical board and the cannabis commission are keeping the doctors honest, then those rules will will continue. Now there's another part in the rule that does require, and um, only a few states do this, and, and the jury's kind of still out on its effectiveness is that, say, um, you have someone that has a a chronic pain issue, especially under our law that's related to, like, a nerve pain or neurogenic pain, that um, that doctor, that cannabis-certified physician, has to also have 
has to also have experience practicing in that field. So that does make it a little bit better. So, you know, there was a risk of, you know, a retired, um, you know, or, you know, eye doctor treating mm-hmm. a pediatric epilepsy patient. So they have narrowed that down. So technically, if you do have a chronic pain issue or some others, you are the, the kind of cannabis physician you're supposed to be allowed to see is supposed to have experience treating in that in that realm. Okay. Whether or not it's enforced, I just don't know. But it is scary. I have a son that turns 19 next week. He does have a past injury with um, that has had some history of chronic pain, and uh, he's not in pain now. But if he wanted to just get his hands on marijuana, he could make issue of it and forward over his past medical docu- documents, right. and and very very likely very likely get his card easily. And that's what happened, you know, to a tragedy with a woman named Laura Stack. She started an organization called Johnny's Ambassadors. I encourage everyone to look up johnny'sambassadors.org. It is the story of her son, Johnny, who at 19 got his marijuana, medical marijuana card for, I think, anxiety. And within a year, um, he had developed marijuana-induced psychoses. He stopped using but he could never get better, and then he jumped off a nine-story building at his college campus. Yeah, and well, so ever since then, she's been speaking out. And so a lot of you have nineteen-year-olds, twenty-year-olds, twenty-one-year-olds, and um, there's really there's nothing you can do about it as a parent. If well, they want to get it, they will find a way. Yeah, they, and they will. And that <laughs> was the call. But just because they say, "Well, they'd get it anyway off the street," uh, look, that that reasoning is just. Uh, you could you could uh, decriminalize or legalize anything with that uh, with that reasoning. Uh, let's back up for people that just joined us because you've been sure. on uh, almost an hour. Sort of give the uh, the overview of what's happening. This was passed in 2021, uh, really not dealt with in 2022. Although you and others along with me, we tried to get uh, some restrictions put in, especially for uh, for women who are pregnant, that they would not be able to access marijuana in this way because of uh, how bad it is for their baby. Um, and, and the stats and the science are all there for that. Tell us going forward, though, what, what sort of there is a cannabis commission, paid people, paid well to uh, implement all of this across the state. Give us the timeline that they're working through from now till, I guess, what's it going to be, about a year from now? Uh, yes, so the Cannabis Commission, um, all of the different members of the commission were nominated by uh, you know, the governor, lieutenant governor, Senate pro tem, those uh, different people. And by, I think, the end of uh, the summer of 2021, they were all in place. They began having their meetings. John McMillan was named as the um, commission director. He has no medical experience and, and came into it with um, no training in, in cannabis or medicine, but he's been trying to, to learn as much and as possible. And just FYI for the listeners, we have met with him. You and I have yep. met with him together. Yep. Yeah. Yep, we were, he was very gracious to meet with us last yep. October. Um, he spoke with one of our international experts, Dr. Kenneth Finn. Um, and, uh, and so they've been working on all of the different aspects of the law of, of, of purchasing um, the seed-to-sale program, of getting their computer databases, um, of working with the medical board, of coming up with rules and, and, and all of those different things. Um, the, the sad part of it is that, um, you know, there's um, 
some misinformation going around that is making it to seem like it's it's not going to be a problem. And I, I do wish the commission would be a little more forthcoming and at least admitting Yes, everybody, this is a dangerous drug. We do not want it in people's hands. We do not want it being spread around. We encourage our law enforcement to crack down on any illegal use of substances as much as possible. However, let's make sure we do this right. I think I, I think I could have, you know, be a little bit more comfortable if we heard that messaging coming out of the commission a little bit more, but we're not hearing it just yet. So we, we need to hear that because when you, once you hear that it's okay, people will believe it. And uh, then use, use legally or illegally will actually increase. Well, and, and you're just, we're not just making that up. Um, there, there are states that have already been through this process and Correct. we've seen the results. And again, I go back, it's normalize to legalize. And uh, to me, although... Uh, None of us have have uh, any uh, ill thoughts toward um, sick people who are sick, uh, who maybe it would help with pain. I'm, I'm, I understand that. I get that. But that's not what this is really about. Well, let me correct you real quick, Greg. We have to we have to stop the um, maybe it could help with pain. That's been proven. It doesn't. So what we can say is maybe it could help um, someone with severe epilepsy. You know, that's a that's a workable thought. Yeah. Maybe it could help somebody suffering through a terminal illness. Well, Christine, I will um, say you do a terminal yeah. illness like cancer, pain, things like that. You do hear people say. And, when, and that's sort of what I had in mind is maybe somebody mm-hmm. with cancer or something like that. Mm-hmm. But you do, and I'll, I'll just say now, this is uh, just what I hear, you know, you do have people that I believe and trust and good people that will say that, um, you know, they have found pain relief uh, from this, not here, but maybe other places uh, mm-hmm. around the country. Um, so you're telling me that it doesn't help with pain at all? Well, what happens is is that people can have a brief um, a brief relief um, with certain pain issues, mm-hmm. and studies to show that it's most likely linked with a sense of well-being. Mm-hmm. And um, over time, however, any perceived pain relief uh, does not occur anymore, and their receptors change, and they actually um, their pain tolerance will decrease, and they will start to crave opioids. And so what you see over time is that a temporary relief in using marijuana for pain turns into most often, statistically, um, an opioid problem. Mm-hmm. So um, in 2021, right as this law was getting passed, the International Academy and the, uh, an International Association on the Study for Pain, a huge conglomerate of pain specialists and scientists, they released reams of different studies that basically said, you know, I know you think it helps you, but sorry, the statistics show that it doesn't. And most likely that there are other, there are other modalities that can help. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you're looking at an industry, like what we have with the marijuana industry, it's very challenging to say, yeah, bring in that industry just for the chance that someone just might think it helps them yeah. Even though the statistics don't support well, it. Well, I agree. I agree with you. Yeah, I agree with you. Mm-hmm. But but you you do hear people say that. So I guess uh, right, right. Point and well taken. and anecdotal and you know, and yeah. anecdotal is not science. And so uh, my well, I will say that. I think some of our legislators voted for this on anecdotal testimonies like that. 
Oh, it was completely, yes, it was mostly based on anecdotal. And anecdotal is very important. I care about everybody's stories. I do. Um, but when you're making policy decisions that do show um, harm to society and harm to people, we have to do more than just anecdotal. That's why it's so compassion means more than just feeling for yeah. someone. It means really taking the time to get the facts straight so you don't hurt somebody else yeah. in the process. Just for fairness, Christine, there would be other medical experts that would say the opposite of what you're saying, though, right? Would they have studies yes, that show they, just the opposite? Yes. Yeah, they will debate it. They will debate it, and that's fine, and, and yeah. I welcome that. Um, and well, I think that's where the legislators get stuck in the middle because they hear it from both they sides. They do. Mm-hmm. So that's they do. why I say, you know, the bigger picture is, okay, if if or if not, this doesn't help some people who are in pain or sick, okay. Um, but that's not even what this is really about. Uh, the, the industry of marijuana, they don't care about people's pain or sickness it's all about money. <laughs> it's big, big, big money from seed to sale. It's big money, and that's what it's all about. That's what I was getting to. Agree with that or disagree? Um, yes, it's that's their motivation. They will they will use people who are suffering to to get their foot in yes. the door, and that's exactly what's happened um, in this case. And you know, if we want to have um, robust medical studies and medical more medical control for certain conditions, you know, that's why we have research centers that that use marijuana to research and study for pain, for epilepsy, for end of life, for other types of conditions, and I completely support us continuing that path. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Allow the very limited um, production and processing and distribution of marijuana through medical research um, entities that... um, you know, and it's much more tightly controlled, say, under NIH grants, those types of things, um, and, and continue doing that. And But what we've seen so far in the, you know, tens of thousands of studies is that it just really doesn't help in comparison to the harms. Uh, but I fully support continuing research and, and people that need to try it um, to be under those research arms to keep trying that. Yeah. But thrusting an industry, a for-profit industry, onto our society, onto Alabama and Alabama children and Alabama babies that don't have adequate protections, that's where we yeah. have to drop Well, and it lets you know that there's people that stand to make a fortune off of this when they're already making campaign contributions of hundreds of thousands of dollars to candidates uh, to make sure that this uh, moves forward in Alabama. Uh, when that's happening, you know uh, there's some people that stand to get uh, richer and richer from it. Uh, Christine, we'll let it go. I know you got to get to church, and I appreciate your time. You gave us much more than I, than I would have counted on or anticipated. And, uh, well, Greg, I know- before, I, before I go, let me just give your listeners, you know, there's, there's two websites that are very important okay. for them to know. Scientific information, you go to isaac1.org, I-A-S-I-C, the number one.org. For more layman's information, go to johnnysambassadors.org. And make sure you put pressure on your local leaders and tell them not to opt in. If you do those three things, those two websites and communicating with your local leaders, you will play a big role in protecting your community. Yeah. Well, this is going to be an ongoing issue. It's not going away. We'll do it again. Christine, thank you, my friend. Thank you, Greg. Appreciate it. Yes, Mm ma'am. God bless you.